Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Passing Times. Really excited for today's guest, and shout out to Andrew for the hookup here. So today's guest grew up uh, playing for the Reds Volleyball Club. He also played for the New Brunswick Provincial Team before joining the University of New Brunswick, where he's a two-time AUS champion. He's the AUS Rookie of the Year, and he's currently playing his second-year pro in Slovenia. Please welcome to the show, Connor McConnell. Connor, thanks for doing this, man. Thanks for having me. So you might be the first New Brunswick guest we've had on the show. So just fill me in. Uh, was volleyball always your thing or what else were you doing when you're growing up? I imagine a, a good Atlantic guy. You must have been playing hockey at some point, right? Yeah, I was. You're right. So volleyball definitely wasn't my first sport. I kind of got into it somewhat as a fluke. Uh, like you said, I was a hockey guy. And um, so one day I just stayed after school and there happened to be volleyball tryouts. This was when I was in grade eight. And uh, my friend convinced me to try out for the team. And, you know, at this point I was growing, I was a tall, lanky guy. And, um, yeah, I showed up, had a good time, and um, I was fortunate enough to make that team. And from then on, I really fell in love with the sport. Nice. Now, I find volleyball can be tricky where it gets really fun when your skills are appropriate. But you being the tall, lanky guy, did that make you enjoy it right off the bat? Like, were you good at the net or like what got you hooked, do you think? I think it was more or less like the team aspect, you know, playing because that I think this was like the first team where I was all of my friends played volleyball. Like the guys who I hung around school, they all played volleyball and they all tried out for that team and we all made it. So it was really the team aspect of the sport, you know, being around those guys all day and being able to play with them um, was great. And I really loved that. But, you know, starting off, volleyball is a really hard sport to play when you don't have any experience. I feel like it's a hard sport to learn technically. So, yeah, that first year, I could jump. That's about it. <laughs> now, so I definitely wasn't uh, wasn't a starter, but yeah, nice. I was good at that, you could say. <laughs> so you, you entered through the school sports system like most of us do. When did you learn that, like, club volleyball was a thing and you could play, like, at a rep level? So that would have been the following year when I was in grade nine. So what's weird about New Brunswick is that club and high school or not high school, but school season, um, they're played in different times than other uh, parts of Canada. So our high school season starts in March or January or February, sorry, February, and then goes until April. And club season starts in, I want to say, geez, October. So we're, we're kind of like switched. And um, what's weird is that, so if you're playing high school, usually nationals are on the same date as regionals every year. So if you're playing on the high school team and on club, on your club team, you know, you have to make a choice. You're going to nationals or you're going to regionals and trying to go to provincials. So that was always like the tough part is that we would go to nationals, but our team that would go to nationals was mostly the same team that we had for school. So those teams that we'd be beating in regionals or in like the regular season, we would have a hard time beating them in regionals and then potentially not making provincials. So that's one thing that was kind of, that was different. The volleyball like school system and club system everywhere else in Canada. For sure. For sure. So as a young athlete, do you remember what side you were on? Were you always thinking like, oh, I'd rather go to nationals and compete? Or were you being like, man, we can win high school provincials. Why don't we just stay home? Yeah. So we had a couple of dilemmas with that. Like my first year playing club, um, I made the, so I tried out for the varsity team 
in high school when I was in grade nine and I made it. And uh, so there wasn't much of a, actually we didn't, did we go to nationals? No, I don't think we went to nationals my first year I played club. So there was no conflict there. My second year, I played for this club called MAE. So one of my coaches started this new club in um, New Brunswick and we went to nationals there and there was a conflict, but we decided to go to nationals instead of play regionals, but our, um, our team still made it through. So we made provincials that year. So as soon as we got back from nationals, we went to the provincial championship and we actually won it. Nice. Now I'm sure just as an outsider, it's not easily said that like, I know that the seasons will never change because it does seem like the high school is established, but has anyone ever really pushed to be like, why don't we look for the nationals dates and then pick our date later? Like, is there just not enough weekends in the year? It seems like this conflict happens all the time. And, and you're right. We don't always get New Brunswick teams at nationals. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like I've honestly, I've never really looked up much into it, but there has to be a way around it. I think there has to, because, um, you know, it's one weekend. I feel like it's possible to find one weekend where, you know, the teams aren't at nationals. (laughs) For sure. For sure. So you're playing club, you're playing on a good high school program. How does the provincial team work for you guys? Were you selected? Did you have to go to like a huge open tryout? Like uh, how did that relationship build? And how old were you when you started provincial team? So I started provincial team when I was in grade nine. So I would have been just 15, 16. And um, so, yeah, so the way that works is you have this huge open tryout. You have to pay and go to the tryout. And then and if you get picked from that first selection, then there's a second tryout. So you make that first cut, you go to the second tryout and that's where they make the final cuts. And the thing is like for New Brunswick, you know, it's a small province and it's hard to fill like all the categories. So like 14U, 15U, 16U, 18U. So for me, every time I played provincial team, I played up. So I played 16U national or uh, provincial team one year, and every other year I played underage on the 18U teams. Nice. And uh, I imagine the big competition would have been National Team Challenge Cup, but uh, was there still an Atlantic Games when you were coming through just to get like extra competition? There was, yeah, yeah. There was Atlantic Games where we played, you know, teams from um, Newfoundland, PEI, and uh, Nova Scotia. Nice. And- What's that level of tournament? I imagine that just helps everybody get extra games and maybe get a little bit more comfortable. Or were you always kind of gunning to go to Canada Cup and try to beat up on BC, Alberta, Ontario, Quebec, like those provinces? Yeah. So, I mean, for that age group when I played, I think I've been to NTCC two, three times. But the first couple of years, it was only the Atlantic Championship that I went to. And, uh, but honestly, for me, like that was good competition, you know, uh, because, uh, Nova Scotia had good teams and Newfoundland and Labrador actually had good teams as well. So that was a good level of competition. But then when we would get to NTCCs, like that's when we would really see the big difference, you know, between the, the Atlantic teams and the teams from out West and Ontario. 
Now, uh, I'm curious with you being a Canada Games guy, but you actually played on the beach. Was that more influenced by your birth year and you were kind of too young to make indoor the one cycle and then too old the next cycle? Or did you just decide, hey, I want to be a beach guy this cycle? No, yeah, you're right. So uh, my age group, like my year got cut off. So I was too young to go to the... um, the earlier ones and then they changed the age group and then i, I was too old oh so your indoor year would have been the first year they did 18 u instead of like a 21 or 20 20 u for indoor right that's right yeah you know i i didn't go to canada games for volleyball and beach was a great option and i mean i had uh new brunswick was looking for beach guys and decided to try out and made the team and i had an amazing time canada games is a great experience Nice. So just to jump back one step, because I think you were already in university there, but again, with you being a club guy, a provincial team guy, was your goal always to be to play for the Reds at UNB or were you ever looking to maybe go to the dark side of Dalhousie or were you looking to leave the province or because you grew up there, you had a good experience with your club, your high school, the provincial team that you're like, I I would love to play for UNB. Yeah. So, I mean, I was getting kind of like looked at by UNB from a young age. I I was in grade 10, I want to say. And I was going to open gyms in the summer with all the UNB guys. So even from a young age, you know, I was getting close with those guys and practicing and uh, really staying in contact with uh, Dan McMorrin. And um, yeah, it just became a great option. And I mean, you know, in, if you're in Fredericton and you want to watch high-level volleyball, you go see UNB or Stu. But uh, I always went to the UNB games and, you know, being inspired by those guys and even when I first started playing volleyball on that grade eight team, uh, Mark White, who played for UNB, was my coach. So I was being coached by those guys from a really young age from when I really started playing volleyball. And um, yeah, so I mean, in the back of my mind, I was always going to go to UNB. You know, Dow was there, but there's no way. I don't think I could have <laughs> brought myself to go to the dark side. So I know you were in grade 12 when they took down their first championship, but then you were part of two other championships. What do you think kind of flipped the switch there that uh, ended the the impressive streak that Dalhousie had? And UNB was always kind of nipping at the heels, but when you guys started to put it together, what do you credit to the biggest change there? I think we just had a group of really physical guys. Like when I first um, went in to the UNB program, the guys took the gym so seriously. Like we had some guys from Australia, Sam Alves, guys from um, England, you know, Elliot Allison. We had guys from a guy from Norway, um, Ivan Anderson, my first year. And these guys were just, you know, I thought were phenomenal. And uh, I guess that's another big credit for to uh, international guys, but um, they were just so physical, you know, could jump out of the gym, hit balls so hard. And, I think that that was the biggest difference for those two years comparing us, us and Dal. Now uh, I imagine Dan receives a lot of credit for this or, or maybe it's the school and I just don't know enough about UNB, but uh, why is it such a, de- a destination for international students? Cause as you mentioned it, it seems like there's three or four guys every year on the squad, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think we have a good track record of international guys and I mean, it's appealing, I guess <laughs> it sounds appealing to them from uh, to come to the program. But um, every uh, international guy that we had, you know, has made a significant difference to the program since I was there. You know, um, I've had the pleasure of playing with uh, Eduardo Lucchesi. He was the international guy when I was there. And uh, Eric Kodrick, 
uh, middle blocker who's actually from Slovenia and I'm playing against them uh, in this <laughs> league. Um, yeah, you know, they had a huge impact on the program and, you know, Eduardo was uh, all Canadian, you know, first team all-star points leader. And, um, you know, we're lucky to get those international guys that actually want to make a difference in the program. And they're not just going there to, you know, say they're going there. For and, sure. Uh, yeah. So I think we've been really fortunate with that. Now, with you going to open gyms and being recruited from a young age, uh, did you have any expectations yourself coming in as a first year and really fighting for a starting spot? Like, was that something you and Dan ever discussed or like that first training camp, you just started a battle with these guys. Cause for you to be rookie of the year, um, obviously some things must've gone your way, but I'm curious what day one or week one was like. Yeah. So, um, you know, everyone says this, but like, you know, I'm a competitive guy and you're always trying to push for that starting spot. You know, if you're not, if you're not competing for a starting spot in practice every single day, then what are you doing there? Right. So, uh, I did have conversations with Dan and he said that I had potential to get one of those starting spots, but, um, I think it was just work ethic in the gym and just always, always trying to outdo the guys that were in front of me. And, uh, you know, those guys that were in front of me were guys that I looked up to, you know what I mean? And, uh, so I think I got, I got some playing time due to um, some guys being injured. And I also got some playing time, you know, against, uh, you know, when we play sort of different teams who aren't, who weren't like, uh, it wasn't like a must win. You know what I mean? Well, every game's a must win, but I got playing time because Dan was able to put me in those matches where for me to get experience. Now, uh, again, just kind of pumping Dan's tires here, but uh, maybe UNB gets all the credit here. But uh, as a program, uh, man, you guys try to find competition because the league schedule is strong, but it's not unusual for you guys to go maybe on a preseason trip either to Ontario or Canada West, uh, do the same thing at the holiday break. Like even for you to go to Quebec is a bit of a mission and travel. So uh, as a young athlete, what was that like? Were you super excited to be like, yes, I can't wait to go to play Manitoba or Trinity or whoever it is. But like, how did you manage the the travel? Because imagine... Do you guys bus to Quebec or do you fly? We bus. Yeah. So that's got to be tough on the body. Obviously when you're playing Canada West, you're probably flying, but how did you deal with all these, this extra travel just to get good games? Yeah. I mean, you get used to it and it's something you have to do, right? Because when we change to the RSTQ, um, there's only us and down in, in the East. So there's not a lot of, there's good competition with that, but there's not the competition that's going to bring us to the next level. Like, um, like you said, like going out West, I remember we would go have, uh, like these preseason tournaments in Manitoba and Winnipeg and, uh, there we would, we would fly there obviously, but, um, yeah, it was super exciting, especially as a first year, you know, you get to travel the country in preseason and, and, uh, experience that competition. It's awesome. And I know Winnipeg would come to UNB actually for a couple of years for some preseason stuff. I remember Trinity Western when they did their um, kind of Canada tour preseason, they came down and played us. That was really, really fun. Um, but, but yeah, the travel to Quebec is, so we played three teams in Quebec, right? Laval, uh, Montreal, and uh, Sherbrooke. So we have bus rides that go up to 10 hours. <laughs> so... <laughs> just for league games right so 
you gotta, you kind of get used to it. And I mean, it's a fun time. It's a great, it's a great bonding experience with the guys, you know? Um, I really enjoyed it. You get, you always tell yourself you're going to get a lot of schoolwork done, but you never do. <laughs> that, that was going to be my question is, are you a big uh, homework guy on the bus or were you more in the hotel room? Like, how did you find time to keep everything balanced? Because like, for example, when would you leave for one of those interlock weekends and when would you get back? Yeah. So we would leave usually the Thursday. Um, so in my last two years, like when we joined the RSCQ, we didn't have interlocks anymore. They were just the league games. Right. So the right. interlocks were when we were just with the AUS. And um, so, yeah, so if we had a league game on Saturday, Sunday, we'd usually leave on Thursday, get there late Thursday night, practice Friday, and then have match on Saturday and then Sunday. Man, that's got to be hard on the body getting off a bus and playing as many matches as you guys do. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it was. So but uh, you, get, you get used to it. Definitely, definitely. And and with the, the rivalry that is uh, Dalhousie UNB, was that a big talk in the team room talking about, uh, you know, we got to beat Dal, we're going to win the AUS? Like, uh, were you guys a big outcome goal? Were you a big fire up for these games? Like, what was the mood when you guys were taking down these AUS championships? Was it like, we hate those guys? Or were you talking about like what you could control in the room? Like, what was the overall mood? Yeah, yeah, there was a huge rivalry there. And it just grew every year that we played. I mean, um, when we were in the AUS, definitely that's the goal, you know, beat Dal, like, you know, they're the rivals. These are the guys we're going after. Like they're not beating us. And Oh yeah. I remember those games. There's a lot of chit chat going across <laughs> the net, you know, a lot of taunting and, uh, but you know, that was the fun part or that was, that's what gets you really riled up for those games, you know, knowing that they're coming to do the exact same thing. Now, I, again, I'm just kind of searching the format here. I think you guys played two out of three. So I think that might add to the rivalry where you like you guys play each other enough in the regular season where does it reach a point where you know what the other guys want to do? And it just comes down to like competing and firing up in that moment, because I imagine after a while, the game plan gets a little bit uh, repetitive and it's just about like doing your job, right? Exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like the amount of times we played those guys, we we know each other so well, you know, they know what we're going to do. We know what they're going to do. So it all comes out to, you know, who's going to want it the most because we know exactly their game plan. They know our game plan. You know, we've been playing each other for the past, you know, how many years. Now, when you would play a two out of three, was it something crazy like a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or was it over like two weekends? It was over two weekends. Yeah. So take so, me through yeah, one of these series. Yeah, it was two out of three series. Uh, I can't really remember. Now, because... uh, I, I found an article on the 17-18 season, and it looks like Dal opened up at home, I believe, and took it down. And then you guys had to win at home and then play the third game. It looks like at home again to kind of take it down. So it looks like maybe one team hosts the first weekend, and then game two is at the other seed, and game three, again, is at the higher seed. Maybe that they kind of back the schedule that way. Yeah, now that I'm thinking about it, I think that's exactly how it went down. So if you ever drop the first game in one of these best threes, what what is the mood in the team room? Are you guys pounding video, being like, oh, they changed something, we got to catch up with it? Or is it just kind of like, uh, again, fire it up and just win your battle across the net? Yeah, so Dan wasn't a big video and stats guy. Like if they're in position one, they're going to be running this play. If the setter's this far off the net, it's going here. You know, they run pipe 60% of the time in position three. 
Um, he wasn't really that kind of guy. He was more of the guy that was like, be physical, go and get it, go and want it. You know, this guy, this is his preferred shot. You know, high balls, obviously, you block line, take the line. On fastballs, you go crush them on the on diagonal. And it was just more of like, you know, play with heart and want it and be physical and don't be scared, be aggressive and good things will come out of that. Now, anyone who's ever seen you play, I imagine that was, uh, that's pretty appealing. Is that fair to say for your style of play? Like that was, that was nice to hear as like a 20 year old. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. Now, what was the feeling like when you guys would go to nationals? Cause obviously like you're going through these rivalries and you're fighting and you're, you get the win and it must feel great to win a championship. But then you have this next challenge of going to U sports or CSI nationals. So what was always the feeling about preparing for those tournaments? You know, it's when every time we played, like that was the goal is to go to nationals and we would prepare all season to win a us or RSCQ. But then again, when we were in RSCQ, we didn't make nationals, not when I was there. And, um, but when we would play AUS, we knew we had a good chance of beating Dal. stick to the game plan, work hard. We're going to beat Dal, and we're going to go to nationals. And winning that first game, you know, is always the the goal of going to the nationals. And uh, the preparation stayed the same, honestly. You know, that's what I liked about Dan. He didn't switch things up a lot on us. You know, we stayed fairly focused on one goal and we had one mission for every single game. And um, yeah, we went to nationals like with a chip on our on our shoulder, you know, like we're we're always going to be the underdogs with the team from New Brunswick. You know, everybody thinks this is going to be an easy game. They're going to get an easy pass to semifinals. And uh, we just always went there and tried to make some noise and try to create some chaos. <laughs> now, did that level of compete always overlap where let's say you do go to nationals and you, you do drop the quarterfinal. I think most teams start to like pack it in or like it's not enjoyable or maybe they start to party cause you're in a new city. But uh, looking at the one year, um, you guys lose your quarterfinal and then you're battling Waterloo. I think this year was at Hamilton. So they're kind of just down the road from their own beds, but you guys reverse sweep them in five. So is that just a credit to that mentality where you guys didn't care if you were playing for a medal or playing for fifth, like you were going to get your best that game? Yeah, exactly. And I mean, we always love playing teams outside of uh, the Atlantic because it's a great opportunity to see where we size up, you know, and we didn't care if these teams are, big Ontario teams, big West teams, you know, we're going to try and fight to the finish. And it's just so much sweeter coming out of it, knowing you gave it your all and like, and exactly like that game, just not giving up and reverse sweeping. Even if we don't get a medal, it, there's um, some kind of sense of accomplishment. in that. So uh, again, just to build on your career. So you're a club guy and then that gets you on the provincial team. You have a good experience there. You go to university, like you're, you're contributing to a very good program. When did pro become a thing? Like I, I know you hinted earlier that you've played with some international guys. So maybe that kind of introduced you that you could play overseas, but uh, I'm curious when it switched in your mind that like you could play this sport for a living. Yeah. I mean, that was always my goal since I was in high school. You know, it kind of blew my mind that I could go, overseas in Europe, you know, everyone dreams to go to Europe and travel Europe. And, um, for me, it just kind of sound like it was incredible to think that I could go to Europe, play volleyball as a job, as a living and be able to travel free, you know, be a tourist, you know, meet some new people, 
and make money just playing a sport that I love to play. And since then, you know, that's kind of what I always chase. Like even when I was in university, like my final goal was just, I want to go play in Europe. I want to go play in Europe. And, um, yeah, fast forward to my last year, COVID year. So we didn't actually play. Um, I got approached by, uh, Kevin Duquette. So Brian Duquette's uh, brother and he had his agency and I signed with him and got me a good offer out here in Slovenia. So decided to take it. That's so cool. I was going to be my question because it seems like everybody lands in a, in a different spot. So, um, was he able to give you advice about like, this is a good offer or did you have looked at other clubs or other leagues? Cause, uh, it's not like North American sports where you get drafted and that team kind of owns you. Like you must be receiving three or four offers. And how do you pick the Slovenia league over Austria or over Denmark or whatever other leagues are calling? Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I had like, um, a couple offers, you know, in like France B um cyprus uh austria and slovenia and i decided to come here in slovenia just because eric kodrick is from slovenia and i played with him for three years and um i was able to you know get assurance like in a way that it's uh like i could if i had any questions i'd go to him and he just made it sound like a, it was a really good deal and to be fair, it was the best offer I got. So I just decided to come here. And when, when you say you're looking for assurance, did you ask him about like, Hey man, like what's this town? Like, what's the food going to be like, what's the playing style? Because, uh, some guys get lucky and they either have a Canadian or another, uh, like an American, like a North American on the squad looking at your rosters, you might've been one of the only English speakers. Like, is that fair to say? Like, how did you fit in with the squad? Cause you, uh, there, there's other foreigners, but you were definitely the only North American, right? Yes. Yeah. I was the only North American. And, um, you know, at the start, it's, uh, it's weird. You know, you go, you don't understand anything. Food's different. Language is different. Um, but it's interesting. It's kind of like, uh, it's, uh, it's a challenge, but to be fair, the, the guys on my team and even this year, the guys on my team, everybody speaks English, you know? They speak English really well and I understand them. They understand me. So honestly, the language barrier wasn't, there wasn't much of a language barrier. I'd say the biggest one was with the coach. So yeah, I was able to adapt fairly quickly and get used to the lifestyle. And um, yeah, I consider myself pretty lucky with that. So with the coach thing, did one of your teammates just translate? Like I, I know volleyball is volleyball, but when we're talking systems or like very specific responsibilities, you got to know what's expected of you. So what would a kind of just a leader on the team, make sure you knew what the coach was trying to relay to you. Yeah. Yeah. So you had like one of the guys, like who's the better English speaking guy. And, um, he would just always sit beside me and always translate. <laughs> <laughs> so I had a designated translator. So take me through the first year, because obviously it's a bit of an unknown. You can get some reassurance. But when you land, uh, where in the world is uh, Merska? And what was that first week like moving into the apartment and starting to train with the guys? Yeah, so the first first time I landed here, you know, I was. It was my first time in Europe, obviously, and the landscape is much different than where I'm from. So I really enjoyed that. You know, I was always looking outside the window on the whole drive. We land, I landed in uh, Ljubljana and drove all the way to Murska. And that's a, uh, it's a small town. It's like a village town. You know, they have one main street and, 
that took some getting used to. You know, there's not a lot to do there. But uh, the training, the training was good. You know, but it was uh, also somewhat of a culture shock because the stuff that you would see, like you wouldn't see in in college or at UNB. You know, like for training, we would. I remember running laps around uh, this track, and our assistant coach, you know, standing in the middle, smoking a cigarette with his sunglasses on, you know, yelling at us like faster, faster, faster. <laughs> And, uh, you know, I was like, geez, like, what am I getting myself into here? Felt like I was in a movie. (laughs) (laughs) Did you ever feel pressure being the foreigner on a team that doesn't have a lot of foreigners? Like, were you expected to be the point scorer and kind of be the guy? I was, yeah. So, you know, they, (laughs) the coach I had last year is a very interesting guy. And he was probably my first, uh, I guess you could say experience with the, hardcore crazy coach like all the coaches i had in you know new brunswick are all like nice people you know you can be human with them but this is my first experience i was like holy crap like what am i getting myself into and this is when the mental game like you had to be strong or else you would you had to leave like he told me he's like you're the foreign guy you're here to make this team better you know, and that's the deal with every foreigner, right? You're like, they're not going to get a foreigner to to come in and just be there. You know, like you're there for a reason. You're there. For, you have a role, and you have to you have to like play to that role. And uh, that was my role. You know, I was supposed to go there, score points, and win games. And um, yeah, that first year, you know, I realized, you know, everyone says this, but the battle is like. 80% mental and 20% physical because I was, I'd go there and I was in shape, you know, I was strong, jumping high, but that doesn't mean anything if you can't control your, if you can't control what's going up in here. So yeah, that was a huge, um, I guess you could say like learning experience, but really, really fortunate for that. Now, if it's it's not too personal, what was your process? Because obviously you're overseas, you are in a small town, like you said, time zone back home was a little tricky to navigate. Like, would you find a time to to connect with either like uh, your family or friends back home? Were you keeping a journal? Like, how did you get through that moment? Because uh, I imagine after a good game, it probably feels really good. But after a bad game, it's got to feel lonely being in a village somewhere where you don't really speak the language. And like you said, there's not much to do. That's right. Yeah. And um for me, so last year, and to make things even like worse, I lived in a in a hotel, right? So I didn't have my own apartment. I lived in a hotel, but then again, I had all my meals paid for, like uh, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. But I was alone. I had one more guy. He was from Serbia. He also lived in the hotel, so I spent most of my days with him, and um, we grew really close, you know. And if it wasn't for him, I don't know if I would have been able to like perform the way that I did and stay on state of the course the way that I did. Um, but yeah, I did, I journaled it every day, you know, and there's a lot of, when you're there alone in a city where you don't understand the language, no one really knows you, you don't really know anyone and you go to training and it's just pound, 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 you know, like my coach's philosophy was 
you're going to pound them until they either turn into dust or diamonds. So every day you go to training and you know, in the back of your mind, like you're, you're going to get ripped on. And it was, it wasn't just like a, Hey, like, what are you doing? It was a full on like five minute. You're getting absolutely destroyed. So that was, I found that really hard because in order to get better, you need to be able to make mistakes, right? You need to make mistakes over and over and over until you actually get it. But being the foreign guy, I didn't have that flexibility. You know, It's like I made a mistake. I was getting destroyed for it. And that was probably the hardest thing for me is that not being able to make mistakes and like get better around it. So I had to do, you know, I meditated a lot, visualized a lot. I journaled a lot, did all like the things to keep my mind like mentally stable to be able to perform and actually do something good for this program. And my uh, roommate was also roommate guy who lived in the same hotel (laughs) as me was also a big uh, influence on that. Now, uh, I, again, I'm only going off volleyball, so I, I don't actually know, but it, they list you both as opposites, but both foreigners play in the same position. Like, would you guys be like a big double sub team or did one of you switch to the other pin? So he went middle blocker. Oh, nice. Yeah. So the last season, this team um, almost finished last. So they almost had to play for a relegation. And um, he was the opposite at that time. And then halfway through the season, there were some injuries and they had to move him to middle blocker. And um, he played really good middle blocker. So they decided to keep him here and bring him on as a middle blocker. And I came in as opposite. So that was a good thing. Like he was an older guy. He was uh, like 30. So he had a lot of experience playing opposite and, um, you know, I'm really grateful for that because I had a lot of questions, a lot of <laughs> questions to ask and, uh, he was there to answer. Now with the the results, was the club happy with that? Cause as you mentioned, you go from getting relegated to like, now you're, I think you finished fifth in the cup series, fourth in league play, like uh, obviously way more competitive and not anywhere near relegation. Like was the club pretty happy with your performance? Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> The club wanted us to finish first, obviously. And, uh, you know, our goal that year was to win quarterfinals. And we did. We pulled off the upset in quarterfinals. I still remember. I hadn't felt that feeling in a long time, you know. We uh, lose game one. We win game two in the fifth set, 18-16, off a serve that trickled across the entire length of the net and landed on the line. And then we beat them um, in their hometown. And uh, yeah, so we finally accomplished that goal and everyone was happy on the team, but the club still wanted us to, you know, finish uh, first or second. But you have teams in this league like ACH and... Uh, uh, Kamnik and the team I'm playing on this year, uh, it would have been really hard to finish like that last year. So personally, I was happy with the with the, the finish, but the club wasn't really. 
Now, do you think you, you gave a good impression and that's why you were able to make the switch? So obviously you stay in Slovenia, but uh, you make the switch and I hope I'm pronouncing this, uh, Marbor? It, it, like they, Marbor, right. So they were a little bit higher in the standings, right? So you think you had a good impression or, or what was the, the talk with the agent when you made the switch to the other club? Yeah, so um, I, after, so we lost to Maribor in the bronze medal match last year. And after that year, they were kind of doing a rebuild. So their big opposite went and played in um, Korea. Some of their outsides went to Poland. Pretty much, and a lot of guys went to different teams in the league. And um, I was approached by the coach. Uh, you know, he gave me an offer. I also had offers in Austria and places surrounding, but, um, I really decided to stay here because Maribor is a really nice city. I really love the city here. You know, I knew what I was getting myself into. I knew the league. I knew what I was able to do. Um, so yeah, so all those things kind of played a factor in me deciding to stay here. And my agent, um, Kevin thought it was a great, great option for me. So decided to come here. And now, uh, what's the landscape, right? Are you in another village? Is this one a little bit bigger? Like, are you in a town? Like, yeah, what's... So, yeah, so here, I think we're around, like, it's the second biggest uh, city in uh, Slovenia after Ljubljana. So we have around, like, 100,000, I think. Um, so, yeah, the city is much bigger, much more to do. Uh, you know, I live in a, an apartment, not a hotel, so it's really nice. <laughs> Um, all the guys, most of the guys on the team live in apartments around here. So, which is really, really good too. Our team's really close this year. Um, yeah, no complaints. Really, really enjoying this year. And again, with you being the foreign opposite, do you get the same vibe from coach or is it just like a different feeling, different system, different group of guys? Like it, I imagine nothing will ever feel like last year did, but I am curious how, how it is being a foreign or opposite with a new team this year. It's amazing, you know. This I'm really liking this year because from last year it's like a full full 180. Um, coach is really understanding, and you know, he under. So the thing is, we have a really young team. We're young guys that need reps. You know, we need training. We need to be able to have the space to make mistakes and get better. And coach understands that, and he really embraces that. And uh, you know, every day in training, it's just it's all, it's very, very supportive. It's like, uh, it's like, uh, you always get positive feedback. It's never negative. So I, I think that's like one of the big difference that's from last year. And when you go through, uh, again, this is just my lack of understanding with some of the club system, but, uh, you obviously have league play, you have a chance to play in like a bunch of cup series. What is um, M-E-V-Z-A, Meza Cup? It seems like you guys had a good result there in Ljubljana and some some Serbian teams there. Like It looks like it's, a, I think, six countries playing it. So just for me and the listeners, what are some cool competitions you've got to play in this year with your new club? Yeah, so Meza is like the Middle Eastern European Cup, if I'm not mistaken, something like that. And... Um, so yeah, you have to finish top three in your league to be able to qualify. And it's just this big tournament where you play teams from all the countries that are involved. So this year we played teams from, you know, Croatia, Austria, Slovakia, um, 
Slovenia and uh, travel a lot. But uh, yeah, so the competition there is really good. I mean, we finished top four, we qualified for top four, and then we played um, ACH, Ljubljana. We lost to them in the semifinals. And uh, unfortunately, there was no third medal game, so we didn't get to play for a medal. But uh, yeah, we had a good result this year in that. So um, yeah, I'm really happy about that. And, and a few of our listeners would recognize Ljubljana because I think Jory Mantha maybe started his career there and absolutely loved it. But uh, is it fair to say like they're one of the bigger clubs in the league and they're always competitive? Like, is that maybe one of the rivals that you guys fire up for in league play? Oh, big time. Like ACH is um, definitely the best team in the league. I mean, they played Champions League this year. Um, they, they're on a huge win streak. Like they've won a lot of league league titles, a lot of cup titles, Mebza titles. And uh, they're definitely that one team that's kind of untouchable in the league. I don't think they haven't lost one game in league this year. Uh, but yeah, they're um, definitely the guys that we're chasing. So actually, I think I'm the third Canadian in uh, this league. Dan Lewis played on played for ACH. Oh, no way. Yeah, Dan Lewis played for ACH and... Uh, Earlier this year, we played them in Ljubljana, and uh, to my surprise, Dan Lewis came down and you know said hi to me, and I was like, "What are you doing here?" You know, and he said he was on vacation. He said um, his uh, son was born while he was playing there, so they came down to kind of give him a little visit. That's so cool. There was Jory Mantha played here as well. He played for ACH too. I think his second year in Slovenia. And now I'm here. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. So, uh, again, help me and the listeners out. Where are you in your league right now? I think you still have, uh, obviously, the Slovenian League, but I think the Cup is still uh, up in the air too, right? No, Cup's all finished. Cup's finished. We finished uh, third in Cup. We are currently in the semifinals. We're playing uh, Kamnik, so we lost our first game last night, actually, three-one. Uh, so, and we're playing the second match this Saturday here at home, and it's a two out of three series, not three out of five. So, must win. And what is the landscape of the league again? I apologize, I don't know my geography of Slovenia very well, but uh, is there any gnarly road trips? Or are you guys pretty close? To, like you, you would go and come back and sleep in your bed every night. Oh yeah, everything's so close. I love it. So it's not like <laughs> we're trying to come back for ten hours. It's uh, our longest road trip for league play is four hours max. So the opposite of what you dealt with at UNB, I think. Yeah, complete <laughs> opposite. Yeah. So I always have the. Yeah. So I'm always back in my own bed. That's that's so awesome. So. Uh, I, I know you're, you're in one and you're still playing for a league championship. You're in semis here, but, uh, at what point do you start to look towards next year? Cause obviously as volleyball players, I think a lot of people sign one year deals at a time. So is that something you'd like to have ongoing with your agent or do you like to like finish the season completely and then start talking about next year? So definitely like, I think I sent my agent like highlight tapes in December, January. So I think like the, the earlier, the better. But um, I signed, I re-signed with this team for next year. No way. Congratulations. Yeah, so, thank you. Yeah. So I'm going to be staying here for one more year. We're keeping the exact same team. And um, I think we got a really good chance next year. 
Sweet. So uh, again, for the listeners who might be new to pro volleyball, uh, when the season ends, do you go home right away and then you're on your own for like workouts or try to find an open gym and maybe hit some balls or do you like to shut it down or like, what's your process to always be ready for the pro season, but still take your rest? Yeah. So last year was like my first real experience at the pro season. And, you know, it took a while for the body to get adjusted to the, the load. So when the season was done, my body was destroyed. Like I had really bad knee problems, shoulder problems. So I took like a month off just not doing anything and then started working out and going to open gyms, playing some beach volleyball and kind of getting back in the flow of things before coming out here. Um, like this year, we're pushing like 50 games oh, I say, with uh, friendly matches. Yeah. And um, so that's really tough. But we have, we have really good physios, really good strength and conditioning guys. And so this year when I'm done, uh, last year, I just went home because I was destroyed. But this year after the season, I'm going to travel a little bit, going to Italy, going to Greece, and then going to fly back home. And um, I'm going to have like a workout program with our strength and conditioning guy here that I'm going to be doing throughout the summer. And um, of course, trying to get some reps. And I think that's the best part of being a hometown guy that went to the UNB is that. Dan's always there with the open gyms, so I'll be able to get some touches on some balls for sure. Definitely. I think Dan's good enough that if he would have been a Dow guy, he'd still let you come home, but maybe that's that's a coin toss. For sure, being an alumni, he'll let you in the gym for <laughs> yeah. sure. Yeah. When you say 50 games, though, have you been going since September, or is that like 50 games from like October to now? Like It seems like that's a lot of matches, like maybe two or three a week, right? Yeah, so 50 games with like... Um, with the, including preseason stuff. So what I, what's really fun is like here. So this year in Slovenia, there was the, uh, the like European championships that were being held here. And, uh, a lot of teams came to train. So we got to play, like we played, uh, Cameroon in friendly matches. We played, um, Egypt in friendly matches. We played, uh, the Slovenian like youth teams and friendly matches. Uh, we almost played Turkey in friendly matches. So you get to really experience like uh, world-class volleyball just in friendly games, which is amazing. You know? And, um, but yeah, throughout the whole year, we played every, we played two games a week. Sure. And even sometimes like there was one point in a month, we played 11 games in like 30 days. <laughs> Brutal. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a huge adjustment from only playing like 18 games and league play in uh, New Brunswick. Well, man, this has been so cool to hear your story and get the behind the scenes. Uh, special thanks to uh, Costa for saying you need to get this guy on the show. So this has been great. But uh, one tradition to get you out of here on is uh, something odd or funny must have happened along the way. So obviously you're playing volleyball at the highest level, but our sport is pretty unique that there's some characters in it. So I was hoping you could give us a funny story before we let you go. Yeah, for sure. Um, there was one thing in the, at UNB. It's kind of like a little tradition for the 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 new guys that would come in. We would say first game of the year. You know, we got to be professional. We got to show up in suits. You know, dress shirt, look good. And uh, <laughs> you know, we would all be going to the gym and uh, or going on the bus, and you'd have uh, a couple guys wearing shirt and ties, and the rest of the guys were just wearing tracksuits. <laughs> Yeah. So that's a funny, funny story from back in the day, you and me. 
Um, one more thing here that happened last year, actually, I, I got pickpocketed and they took my, like everything I had, you know, I had my visa in there, all my IDs, all my cards. And the next day I was at the restaurant and I noticed this guy at the bar just kind of like looking at me and I kind of recognized him. I've seen this guy before and he walks over to, to me and he says, um, I heard you lost your wallet. And I was like, how do you know that? Like, who are you? And he's like, yeah, my friend has it. If you give me 500 euros right now, I'll uh, come back and give it to you tomorrow. And I was like, dude, if I give you money right now, I'm never seeing you again. You know? So I was like, no, like, leave me alone. I don't care what you do with it. You're not going to give it, give it back, obviously. And uh, so, yeah, I got blackmailed after I got pickpocketed in a small village, you know, they could tell I was a foreign guy and uh, they got me. So I had to pay for like new visa, new cards, new everything. And I racked up a pretty big bill. Oh my gosh. Like does the club help in any way when something like that happens, like to get the visa or anything, or you're completely on your own? I'm on my own, you know, they paid for it like off the start. And, uh, you know, if I lose it or if anything happens, then it's on me. So I had to pay for all that stuff and it was quite a process. Yeah. That's something we don't talk about when we're trying to talk kids into going to play pro volleyball with the, the gnarliness <laughs> of living overseas sometimes. Yeah. Well, man, thank you so much for coming on the show. This was great. Uh, I know it was a little challenging with the time zone difference. So really appreciate you making it work and, and sharing all the info that you did. That was great. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Josh. I appreciate it.